Hello, I'm Johnny. Hi, I'm Tyler. And I'm Evan. So, last night we finished the book, Escape from Aleppo, and this is a discussion about it. Alright, so we're going to start off with our first question, and that is, what effect can being a refugee on a, have on a person's life and well-being? Well, obviously, like, <clears throat> refugees have, you know, big mental tolls, and they're kind of scarred mentally for life, and they might have troubles such as, like, PTSD, because being a refugee, you're being exposed to all this violence and murder, and you've probably seen a lot of stuff that um, a lot of people haven't seen. It's, like, a lot of stuff that'll keep in your mind and can just really cause... Yeah, I also noticed that in the book, um, I feel like a lot of refugees are very vulnerable to smugglers and because they're so desperate for a better life. They're willing to do a lot of different things. So I feel like a lot of people take advantage of them. And I feel like being a refugee, you're kind of scarred for life because all the things you went through really can like never be taken away. So you just have to live with that for the rest of your life. And like they've gone through things that we can never imagine of how we got through. And refugees are also, they're put in a lot of danger when they're forced to kind of flee their country because you're kind of, you're in a battle zone and you could get, you know, caught in the crossfire or, you know, attacked by rebels. Like um, Nadia from the book Escape from Aleppo, she was kind of put at risk to the rebels, groups like ISIS and her own government. So it was just danger wherever she went. And also another thing about a refugee is I feel like they always get a negative connotation, like a refugee is being a bad thing where really, you know, they gone through all this really bad stuff. And I feel like a refugee should have more positive connotation because we should be helping these people instead of just looking down upon them. So another question I have is, how has the international community affected the state of Syria in the past? And how has this affected the current situation? Well, I think a lot of things have happened recently with, um, obviously, a couple months ago, uh, Turkey actually invaded Syria, which I think was a big turning point in their, the state of Syria, because now other countries are really getting involved with the war that is going on. I also think, like, in the past, when other countries in the Middle East were rebelling against their leaders, and... Um, when s people in Syria saw how it was working and m most of those countries were successful, this caused them to think that, oh, I can do that too. So when they tried to rebel and overthrow the government, that's kind of what caused the civil war, and the governments would not let them and started killing them. Well, I, yeah, and even going farther back that, the international community have been has been with Syria from the very beginning after World War II when French kind of split up Syria, and ever since then, Syria has gone through several like different government coups, like all these different people trying to overthrow each other to get more power, and this is basically happening again, except the person being overthrown is fighting back. So I have a question for you guys. What important facts, like from your research and from reading Escape from Aleppo, have you found out, like, about the Syrian civil war? Well, um, one thing that I learned was how there are many famous landmarks like the Citadel of Aleppo that have lasted thousands of years and have made it through like all of these like hardships and they're now being destroyed by all of the conflict. And it's just kind of sad because these things have, they really can represent, represent our history and our past and they're being destroyed and lost. Yeah, and the war has also really negatively affected the Syrian population. <clears throat> About six 0.6 million Syrians have been driven from their homes but still remain trapped inside the country. About 400,000 people have died due to the war and about 5,000 people flee Syria per day.
And added on to what Johnny said earlier about the Citadel, so all Sith heritage sites in Syria, I think it was in Escape from Aleppo it said this, that all of them have either been like, have been like damaged from the war, and those places have gone through thousands of years, like through the Roman Empire, the Byzantine times and stuff, and then they're all destroyed in seven, in two years of a civil war. And, I mean, there's many, like, government, like, people in the government, and the government is having people bomb apartments and just homes and innocent people with, like, bombs called, um, Barmilas, which is, like, a popular one that was mentioned. And the main character from Escape from Aleppo, Nadia, was actually hit by a Barmila, and she still has shrapnel in her leg throughout the entire book, which slows her down and hurts her. And it's just terrorizing to know that, like, the government is trying to drop bombs on some people. For the next question, think about one specific action the main character took. Explain why he or she did it, and what she, he or she aimed to accomplish, and what happened to him or her based on the action. Well, I think a really important action that Nadia took in the book was at the very beginning when she was stuck into the jeep. You know, still thought like she could have just given up, basically, but she persevered and kept going, you know, to get out from there and then try to survive. Yeah, um, another action that was taken was actually that I kind of, that resonated with me, was from Amo Mazen, how he uh, left kind of the secret police, police of Aleppo's government, and he became a book repairer. And as he went around and kind of made more friends and talked to more people, he decided to help them out and help them with their problems and stuff. And I think that he just really helped out a lot of people, and he didn't have to go out of his way to help people, such as Nadia and the other boys who they discovered along their way, but he did. And I think that he was like a really kind person for doing that. Okay, so the next question is, identify one of the main characters' secrets that was revealed in the novel. How does knowing this information change the story? So, and, yeah, that's it, sorry. Okay. So I think one of, like, a big secret that was uncovered was about Amamazin, when Nadia kind of found the secret compartment in his cart with the money in it and the gun, and later she found all the secret IDs that he had. And... I think that this really added, like, a sense of suspense and kind of unknowingness to the book. And throughout the book, I was it really made me wonder, like, if Abu Bazin is who we all thought he was and if he's a good person or if he's really, like, undercover and about to do something bad. Yeah, and I also felt like that, like, Abu Bazin, because of all that, it made me wonder if at any second the point of the book he would, like, turn and, like, betray Nadia instead of helping her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it really shows how, in the story that he, that he keeps the secret from her, how it almost shows like he's ashamed of it, a little bit, and that because I mean Nadia talks about it a lot earlier in the story how her father was taken away by them and how they do a lot of really terrible things to civilians. So I think it really showed how he knew what he was doing was wrong. So. The author um, utilizes flashbacks throughout the novel. So think about some of these influences and explain um, why they may be used to enhance the story. Well, I think the flashbacks were giving us more of like a background on how it was at the start of the war because where it takes place in 2013, like 
where she is, the war is already in progress, but then it goes back to, like, the beginnings of the war and all the different developments that help lead to it. Building off of you, Tyler, I think um, it also, you know, gives background to the war, but it also kind of gives background to Nadia's past life, and it kind of helps you understand what built up to the series of events that happened throughout the escape from Aleppo. So, yeah, oh, and I thought the flashbacks were really interesting because I remember though they were reading the news about the one man who burned himself to death and how a lot of his, all her family was reacting to the news pretty calmly, like, this isn't a big deal, what a crazy guy, no, it's not gonna change our lives at all, but it really shows how, like, this was the beginning of the Arab Spring, where many countries began uprisings against their governments. And added on to you, Evan, in the flashbacks, the farther you went on, like, all the parents during flashbacks, whatever event happened, they started to become more uncertain about, like, how their life was, you know, and thinking towards the revolution. And you can kind of tell how tension just slowly builds up between their family, and you can see the turning points for other countries and their own country as it just becomes more violent and dangerous for them. So for our final question, uh, could we ever again have a civil war in the USA? Why or why not? So I think that we definitely could. And first of all, you know, we've learned from the past that history does repeat itself. And I think we're seeing more and more often how our government is kind of turning more corrupt. And, you know, with every country that's really like that has a big rise and they're very powerful, eventually they collapse. And there's like all these new ideas that are coming from government officials. And some of them, some like some government officials have ideas of free education or free health care. And I know it sounds good. But sometimes, like, they're, they're kind of, they're, they're going to tax us more, or there's something happen, happening behind that that people don't realize. And, and I feel like, oh, sorry. Sorry, Johnny. Um, I feel like more nowadays, like, our government is kind of becoming more divided, and, like, they don't really agree on anything. Like, they aren't really that bipartisan, where the U.S. used to be, you know? They would eventually come to an agreement over party lines, but that doesn't really happen nowadays. Yeah, and I think especially in today's time with the current president that was elected, there's never been a more controversial leader, I believe, in history. They had that uh, massive investigation on whether the election was rigged still almost three years after it. So I really think like the disagreements between a lot of different people in our countries could lead to some sort of conflict. Okay, thank you for listening to our podcast. Once again, this is Johnny, Evan, and Tyler. That's all, folks. Hey, there's...